Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com slash give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. We are uh, in finishing up our Generosity Flows ver- our series this morning, and the verse that we've been looking at is 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11. I'm going to read that for us, and then John will be up here to give us the This is the cheerful giver. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, mm, which through, through us will produce thanksgiving to God. All right, so we have uh, uh, Memorial Day weekend, and it's, it's this, you know, uh, there's a heaviness about it. It's people gave their lives for us to be able to do this. And there's a remembrance, and there's an honoring, and there's, there, it's just, uh, I encourage you with your children, with your family as you have these meals, don't just have a meal, but, but have a conversation. A conversation about your freedom and mine that wasn't free because it cost people lives so I, I just in this time uh, you know it's fun and it's great and all these things but it, there, there's also a moment where you just go God thank you thank you so uh, we are finishing up a series we're in the third part of a series called generosity flows out of the scripture that Chris just read from um, and, and what we have talked about in there and everything's been around a table um, we've we've been talking about uh, what it looks like to have life and do life around a table and really in the context of what we've talked about we have said this that uh, this generosity that flows from us is this tension between be and do. The be is that we're saved by grace through faith. There's nothing we can do to earn it. It's a free gift of God. But when you come into that relationship with him, there's something that naturally flows out. Life. So what, what we're saying to us as a church is this, James 1. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Actually be a Christian. Isn't that a novel idea for the church? To be a Christian, to act, to engage. And that's what I'm asking for us this summer. I'm challenging us on three levels, three certain things. Now, when I, when I do these challenges and stuff and when I talk about you know, the to-do, I like to go to the least common denominator in the crowd because I figure if I can go to the least common denominator, 
You guys are looking around trying to figure out who the least common denominator in the crowd is. I am the least common denominator in the crowd, okay? Let's just get that off the table. So, uh, you know, three is about the max of what I can grab a hold of and carry through the summer and understand and, and actually do. So that's why we get three. Uh, plus it's Trinitarian. Plus there's some biblical truth to it. But um, there's three things that I'm asking us to do as a church. If you're a visitor here today, welcome. So glad you're able to be with us. You've picked a good day because we got free food. So uh, enjoy the barbecue here. I'm wondering if that smell is going to put you guys to sleep or excite you or if it'll keep my message a little shorter. I don't know. One of, the, one of the, the, the several options. But what we're saying in this generosity flows, uh, a message is this. Three things. We're asking you to have meals with others. We're asking you over the summer to deliberately write it down on their calendar to grab a hold of a family, a friend, or someone, or maybe a neighbor, and bring them into your home and have a, a meal with them. Something happens at this table when you eat together. Things fall off of you. In other words, the inhibitions and, and, and the things that you talk about, what happens at this table is different than just a passing with someone on an afternoon that is going on a walk. The second thing we're asking you to do is giving. Now, giving is, is more than just uh, giving financially. It's, it's who you are. It's your life. And the third thing we're asking you to do is to tell your stories, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And what we have said through this is how beautiful are the feet. We've been talking about that throughout this year, Romans 10, 15. How beautiful are, and how are they to preach unless they are sent, as it is written. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And, and what I'm trying to get you guys to get a hold of is this. That, well, not you, Eddie, but that you guys have beautiful feet. <laughs> the beautiful feet of the gospel going forth and, and hearing it, someone hearing it, and having hope. Uh, what, what, I, I, what I am asking the church is, is, is this, be the church. I'm not asking you to do crazy things, although I, I have this expectation that miracles will take place, that God will do crazy things at dinner tables when you invite your friends and family and others and people you don't know over. I have this expectation that, that God will meet you in a way that you've never been met before. I have this expectation that God will show you a, a, a side of him that you haven't encountered before because the God that I serve is so multifaceted that I'll spend an eternity having him reveal himself to me. How beautiful are the feet to bring the good news. The first week we talked about Jesus and we looked at the nine meals that, that we, we see in the Gospels that Jesus had with others. And mealtime was a big deal to Jesus because it was a chance to deepen friendships. Meals were really important in the Jewish community. Meals are really important and Jesus would welcome strangers and he'd welcome friends and he would welcome the poor, all these things. And it was a time of listening and a time of conversing. That's why this table in your home is so important. And while I'm why I'm asking you to invite people into it this summer. Second thing we said is this. When talking about giving, as I said, is tithing. It's, tithing is more of a spiritual topic than it is a uh, financial one. We always think of tithing. We go, oh, you know. But, but it's, there's something spiritual that happens when we give. It's about the heart. It's about living with the attitude that we've been blessed to bless. So when I talk about generosity, it's, yes, it's your finances. It's, it's where God calls us to give. But it's so much more than that. It's who you are and what you do. Which leads us into this week. Week three, our grace stories. 
are grace stories. It's so important to me because it is uh, uh, what Jesus did as he told stories. And it's so much so that at Pacific Point, when you look at, at our mission, learning to love and live like Jesus, what we value are three things. Now, there are more, but what we say we value are these three that encompass who we are. Relationship with God, that's our first value, that's up, that's right to God. Second value is relationship with others within the community and outside. But the third thing that we show as a value in our church is this, sharing our great stories. That's the out. The up is with God, the in is within, and the out is what we do and how we minister to others. And if we do this on Sundays, if you come here on Sundays, if you come twice a month, if you come once a month, if you come every week, if you, whatever it might be, if, if you do that and you hear this word but you walk out these doors and you don't bring the hope of the gospel, then what are you doing? If, if that is the case, go to the soccer game. Sleep in, go surfing. I don't care. See, because I, I can't help but be changed by this gospel. Some of you kids that are in here go, yeah, why don't we go to do that, Dad? <laughs> it, it changes us. Part of what God has called me to do is stir you up, to get you out of that comfortable place, to get you out and in. And, and the stories that I'm already hearing are, are incredible. See, I've already stirred Eddie up. There he goes. The first of his, the first of his seven laps that he will take this service, okay? Uh, thank you. Am I lying? No. We value stories, grace stories, your stories. Sharing your grace stories, the out that God has called us to. I saw this this week. As Scottish travelers used to say this. The story is told eye to eye. The story is told mind to mind. And the story is told heart to heart. There's no better, in other words, it's told over a meal. And I added that part. But, but there, when I'm sitting at the table with my family and I'm looking at my children in their eyes, when I'm sitting at the table with my family, and, 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 and the, our hearts connect, our minds. There's something that happens. I, I don't believe in magic, so it's not magical, but I think there's something spiritual that happens, and we see that scripturally. So what is our grace story? At the essence of our grace story is Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. The foundation of your grace story is this. You did nothing to deserve it. As I said earlier, there's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to buy it, pray hard enough, go to church enough, none of those things. It's by grace, the unmerited favor, the free gift that God gives us that the story really begins. Now, there's a, a prequel of what happened in your life, and then there's a, the encounter with Jesus, and then there's what he's doing today. It's our grace story. Our grace stories are a collection of stories, life, pointing to what Jesus did for us and what he is doing in our lives today. I, I, I want to start today, and I'm going to have Deirdre and uh, um, Debbie come up here. And uh, yes, come on, right in the middle of the, come on, Debbie. I love it. I want these two to come up here. The, you can give them a hand, okay? And I, I just... I want, to, I want you to hear their stories a little bit. I should have 
All right. I've only got one mic, so I'm going back. I'm going to go back and forth. But uh, see, connectiveness happens when, when you hear someone's story. Look, you, you may have never talked to, to Deirdre or, or Debbie before, um, and, and you, you look at them, nice smile, and pretty and kind, you know, but, but nice glasses, yes, beautiful new glasses, I love. <laughs> but, but there's a connectivity that happens when you hear their story. So I, I just want to ask them a couple of questions, and I want you to hear. And I want, I want you to know this. this. This is a microcosm of that out there. There's a million stories. There's a million stories to be told and, and heard out there. But I, Deirdre, I'm going to start with you and just kind of... Deirdre is a single mom. She's amazing. Two beautiful children living in Orange County. Yes. How does God's grace... How, I mean, that's a feat. I live in Orange County with a wife and five... Whoa, there goes the orange lights. Okay. Um, and God's grace is... is I mean, how, how has God shown himself faithful and grace in your life through this? Um, well, one really tangible um, thing to say is right when I made the choice of having to leave the bad relationship and go out on my own mm. with the kids, um, we had a home in Long Beach that we, lived, that we owned together, and we were literally holding on to it with our fingernails. And I got the job that I have now that I've had for five years, and that first paycheck literally saved it out of foreclosure within 20 hours. Wow. Like if I hadn't gotten that first paycheck, it literally would have been gone. Mm. And it saved us opportunity to be able to sell it and get out of it and not wow. lose the little bit that we had in it. Wow. Um, but the, the real thing that um, Chris mentioned, I went to that beach retreat with her yeah. and it was about God's steadfast love. And that just, I mean, that word has never been so true to me that it really, it just truly, truly does not matter how many times you mess up or fall short or think you're not worthy or blah, 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 all those things that I'm sure we all feel. Um, it's really, truly always there. When you called me yesterday, um, what I shared was, you know, there's so many times where I feel like I mess up and then, you know, try to get back on track. Okay, I'll start again on Monday and, you know, be the good girl and do the right things. And sometimes I used to feel really intimidated of, you know, coming back to that morning prayer, morning scripture, and, and almost unworthy of it. Like, oh gosh, mm. here I am, the, you know, I messed up again, I'm crawling back, and feel really insecure. Mm. But every single time, I've, I think I've finally, finally realized it doesn't matter mm. how many times I so fall good. off. Okay, it's okay, because I used to come back to those routines and, you know, really embarrassed, like, oh, hi, it's, yeah, remember me? <laughs> <laughs> But um, I think I'm really try finally starting to realize that it doesn't matter how many times you mess up. I love it. I love yeah. it. That which is uh, for raising two kids is is good uh, good lesson to learn. Yes. What, and what I've told what I've told them many times is, you know, I might not always get it right, but I guarantee you I'll never stop trying. Mm. And That's I think good. that matters. So good. It absolutely matters. I, you know, the Bible is real clear about widows and orphans, and I think single moms, in, in my opinion, are the, the widows and orphans that have, you know of today. And I, we so appreciate you in this church, and, and I encourage you guys to hear her story, to grab a hold of Deirdre. Um, she is a faithful woman in this church, and, and I love her story, and she just keeps coming. She's called us a couple of times and said, I screwed up. I, I, what do I do? And I'm yeah. like, you're a sinner. 
Yes. I am. No, no, we just, we just, we love her. We love, uh, hopefully we love on you and we, we appreciate you yes. and all that you are. And thank, thank you. you for your story. It is so important to this church. And here's why I want you to hear these stories. Cause there's someone out there that needs to hear the encouragement. <laughs> See, your stories aren't for you. Did you know that? Your stories aren't about you. Did you know that? They're about others. And God wants to take your story and he wants to bring hope to others. That's why it's so important. So yeah. thank you for your story. Thank you. Miss Debbie. Yes. <laughs> yes. Beautiful wait, glasses. Wait, just, what? just because I want to say this. I just told my friend yesterday, we text each other every morning and make sure, you know, we're in our word. And um, I said, oh my gosh, Sue, this is the first year I don't have to do anything for Memorial Day. I am so excited. <laughs> and, and I called. And then <laughs> John called in the afternoon and I told her today, I said, you know, if I didn't say yes, I'd have to get into the hell line. And I, I'm not, how do, you, how do you tell your pastor no? Jeez, oh, you <laughs> so are wonderful. I, because this Thank is you. not my favorite thing to do, but it's yeah. a necessary thing to do. Yes, You're, and mm -hmm. your story is, I, I want to get more, even more specific with you. I know, <laughs> having Trevor lost yes. a son yes. in the military. Yes. I, the most, I, 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 I don't have anywhere to put that. And unless you've been through it, I, I, I don't know that anybody can. I, I want you to just tell us a little bit. How, what it, God's grace in the midst of incredible loss? Oh, so shall I tell the story? And then, <laughs> so I'll tell the story because I think someone is never truly dead if you talk about them. You yeah. keep them alive. And um, Trevor's the youngest of our three kids. And he went into the military and I had suggested that he would do maybe Navy, Air Force sounded good, stay away from the Marines and absolutely no Army because they're boots on the ground. And so he went Army. And, um, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> didn't listen to you again? <laughs> of course not, which <laughs> went along with everything else in life with him. But um, so he joined the army and um, he was in Missoula. He had worked a 24-hour shift and um, the man who should have been in his place was, um, he was uh, a police in real life and not military life. And so there was some kind of a disturbance and they needed him to go over there and they asked Trevor to go and I'm sure there was some grumbling. So he went and um, he was the first lead truck out on a, like a reconnaissance, I guess you would call it. And he um, was hit by an IED. He um, did not die right away. Um, the driver was able to pull him out, airlifted him to the hospital. And Rick and I, my husband, we were preparing to go um, see him in the hospital in Germany and got the call the next day. Not even got the call, got the person that you never want to come to your door. It really happens that way. <laughs> they really come. And um, so he came, she, she came to the door and gave us the news that he had died. And um, it's hard enough. And it, Sorry if I cry, but you know, that's the nature of the game. But um, it's hard enough when someone dies, but when it becomes national news and you have reporters 
out in front of your house and you have, we had moved recently from about a 4,000 square foot home down to a little 900 square foot home we were gonna remodel and add on to and none of our furniture was there, none of our, anything was there, pictures, anything we could you know, go look at. Um, I'm getting really long, so uh, you need to you, tell me when the barbecue's ready. Because I, <laughs> I will get long. <laughs> or you're saying, John, cut your message down. Yes, yes I could say that too. <laughs> um, so anyway, it, it was just a very tumultuous time. It was very stressful and, um, you know, parts of our family were really melting down, not doing well, and we had to prepare a funeral. We had to pick songs. Song today, One Day in Your Court, was one of Trevor's songs that we played at the mm -hmm. funeral. And um, so it was very sweet to have that today. <laughs> that was the Holy Spirit. That was, I did not that was know totally that. the Holy not, Spirit. Yes. It, was, it was a little God reminder that yeah. he's right here. Um, so anyway, in looking at what happened, when you asked for my grace story, all I can think of is that um, God never left my side. Mm. And I remember saying, physically saying to someone, probably Nancy McCullough, I have to write down everything that happens because God is going to show up. Mm. This is like the worst thing. You know, we've had some bad things in our life, but this was really the worst. No one buries their child. You know, your children bury you. And, um, but God showed up every step of the way, every step. And I was thinking today, there, we were trying to plan the funeral and there was some discord among all of us because we're, you know, we're kind of all a little strong. It's hard to believe it's, with Rick know, in the house that there would be any Actually, he was, he was the quietest. He, wow, okay. <laughs> it, was, it was the other people in the family who were gonna tell me how yeah. this funeral was gonna go. And I, I just melted down. And because we were living in this little teeny house, I had a little closet and I went and literally sat in the closet and shut both doors. My house is full of people outside, inside. I don't even know what they were doing. And I just started begging God, please. And I, I felt him pick me up and just hold me. And I mean, I can feel that now, you know, he's, he, he just did not leave us every step of the way, everything that had to happen, um, it happened. And, um, you know, it, from that, I, I've joined um, quite a few military groups. I belong, I'm, I'm a Gold Star mom, so I belong to a Gold Star mom group. And we happen to have a chapter that is God ordained and every one of the women in there that are active are all Christians. And we always say, there is no way you could bury a child and live if you did not know the Lord because you know, even knowing the Lord, it is, it's just traumatic. <laughs> so anyway. You. Well, you're gonna give it back? <laughs> Let me, you know what? I want to. Uh, I want to pray for you too. I. I you, Sorry. That no, was that was wonderful. Thank you. You cut into Deirdre's time, but it wasn't yeah, mine. So I, you know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it, it, stories matter. 
I mean, you just heard two today that uh, if you didn't know, you'd walk by and say hi to these two. And you go, oh man, they got their stuff together. And not that they don't. don't. They don't, okay. But, but, But God is faithful. This is what the table looks like conversations. When you invite someone into your home, these conversations take place. So let me, let me pray for you too. Father, I thank you for these women and their, their faithfulness to you. God, your faithfulness to them and you've shown them over the years, God. And I just pray that you would go before them and all that you have for them, Father, as their stories go forth, Father God, that people would be uh, brought into the hope of Christ Jesus, Lord. Lord, I thank you for them. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Yeah, you can give them a give them a hand. Okay. Oh, there's the yellow light. I want to light again. De- uh, you know what? Uh, just sidebar. Debbie said something that is so important that you may not have caught. Um, that I, I really want to encourage you because I, I have, I've done a number of funerals and number. She said something. She said, "Look, you don't want people to forget." If you have loved ones that have lost someone, talk about them, ask questions, reminisce and dream about them. Because one of the greatest fears for mom or dad family is that people just won't remember. They won't remember them. And you're like, I, I gotta hold on, I wanna remember them. So there's just a kind of sidebar that just talk to people. Look, when you're at the table, having those conversations. Great stories are a collection of stories. It's life pointing to what Jesus did for us and what he's doing for each of you. Why are great stories so important? Because they bring hope. Look, I, I don't know who all's heard that story or these two stories in, 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 in this crowd today with, with the church that, that the Holy Spirit maybe didn't quicken you and encourage you. Hopefully someone, I'm sure, certain that someone was encouraged by a story. Stories are a collection of, of, of lives that, that bring hope to the hopeless, that bring Jesus to others. This is what many people say to me. Well, you don't want me to tell my grace story. My story is too crazy. I'm too much of a sinner. I mean, it's Deirdre's story. We saw her up there. She sins all the time, and, but she just needs... Come on, that's kind of funny. I can say that because Deirdre laughs at my jokes. You guys may not, but Deirdre laughs at my jokes. But it, it's, you know, people say, oh, I can't tell my story. If you only knew my story, if you knew how much of a hypocrite I am, you would never ask for my story to be told. Let me tell you this. I know this. You are all hypocrites. We're all hypocrites. The issue isn't hypocrisy. The issue is self-righteousness. Humility helps battle uh, 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 hypocrisy. Your story matters and should be told. There are many reasons why God shouldn't have called you or me or anyone else for that matter, but God doesn't wait until we have all of our stuff together. He doesn't wait until you got it all going. He just calls us and says, go, go, tell your story. Bring hope because your story matters. I don't care if you're nine years old or, or 90 years old. Your story matters and needs to be told to others. Great stories, real quick. I'll give you a couple here that Abraham, David, Rahab, and Joseph, key biblical 
uh, uh, men and women. Look at Genesis 17:5. I will cha- change your name from Abram to Abraham because I am making you the father of all nations. Here's this great grace story of Abraham. Yet when we look at Abraham's life, you know, he wasn't the strongest man of God for the, you know, first 25 years or so. It's shown repeatedly be weak in his faith. He wasn't strong in his face. It was almost until he was, uh, you know, he had his son Isaac at a hundred that things started to change. And we read of his story, and his story is told in scriptures and is encouraging. And God told him that he'd be the father of many nations. In fact, showed him the stars of the sky. Abraham had a great story. David had a great story. David's story is crazy. Acts 13.22 says this about David. I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. Now, 2 Samuel 11-12 through 12 talks about David committing adultery and murder. Wait a second. How can that be? How does that story work? It works because of God's grace. It works because of God's forgiveness. It works because of who Jesus is and what he did on the cross. And the same thing with your lives and mine, that doesn't matter what we were, it's what God has called us to and who he's called us to minister to. And the story of David ministers to millions. The story of David and what he came out of and what he did is a story that you and I need to read. See, stories are, are interesting. They, 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 it makes things more personal. Kind of like a pastor sitting on a, a table preaching a message. Just for those of you who are wondering and were judging me, these are not sweatpants. <laughs> they are Lou Lemons. I just want to make that clear because the back row was mocking me earlier saying, why are you wearing sweatpants to church? Thank you very much, Ryan. (laughs) Stories matter. (laughs) Now, there's two ways I can go with that. That that I am (laughs) way too feminine or that she's a large woman. Which one would you like to... John, which one would you choose to... uh, uh, Oh. <laughs> no, they're not. They're mine. Thank you for asking. St- stories matter. You know why? Because we laugh. Because we cry. The problem is we're not necessarily good at getting stories. So I play hockey two or three days a week. Um, we do a lunch game. And uh, I, I'm not the kindest person out there. They don't usually mistake me for a pastor, although they know I'm a pastor. But the other day, this is what I realized. And probably, I don't know, two or three times, maybe five or seven times a year, um, I ended up getting in a fight. They deserve it. Ish. It's a bunch of old men, not old men, there's some young guys there, and, and we play, and it's great, and it gets physical, and I am fairly intense. I don't know if you guys know that. I, there's just a level that I do things at that isn't very calm. So about a month ago, this guy, you know, thinking, I don't know what he was thinking. He wasn't thinking because we ended up getting in a fight. And uh, after I beat the heck out of him, um, no, no, he actually did really well. I was surprised. (laughs) 
part of it in me is just this, I, 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 just that battle. You just want to battle. But here's what I realized. Here's what I realized um, a, a couple of weeks after that. The reason I wanted to fight him is because I don't know his story. Because I sat in the locker with him a couple of weeks later and started talking to him. Just a great guy. Really a kind, wonderful man. And then when I went back on the ice after, after having had these conversations with him, what I realized is I couldn't throw a punch at him because I knew his story. And all of a sudden, I'm like, gosh, he's such a good guy. <laughs> and my stick doesn't swing as hard and around. It, it just, and I was so mad. And then a couple of new guys came out. And I'm like, don't sit next to me. I don't want to know your story. I, I want to be disconnected from the story so I can be mad and I can get in a fight with you and feel good about myself. Don't judge. I know you're judging the pastor. Don't judge. Don't judge. I don't care. You can judge if you want. You're going to get free food afterwards, so you'll be all right. And, and, and that's why stories are important. See, see, the reason that you don't spend the time to bring hope so many times is because you, you just, ah, I don't know their story. And you just walk by. But when you start to get their story, you start to bring hope. Joseph, his grace story is an amazing grace story. You know, um, we see in Genesis 39 of his story. I just took a little snapshot. He was, and, and she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hands and fled and, and he got out of there. And then we see later in Genesis 41, we see that Joseph is made ruler of Egypt. He's second in command. It is an incredible story when you look at his life. But if you just saw the end of it, of him being a ruler or being second in command, you wouldn't see what it took for him to get there. You wouldn't see that he was in prison. You, didn't, you wouldn't see that he was accused and he didn't do anything and he was sat in this cell. You wouldn't see the conversations he had with the cupbearer. You wouldn't see all these things, these stories. You'd just think, oh, he's second in command. But you had no idea how he got there. And people look at your lives and they go, I have no idea idea how they got there, and you don't understand what it took to get there, what hard times to get there. You wouldn't understand Debbie's story, that she, what she's been through, and what Rick and their family have been through in losing a son. You wouldn't understand Deirdre's story of, of, of being a single mom living in Orange County and, and fighting for her children and for what is right. You don't get those things, and God says, this is why I need you in the middle of the story telling your story, to bring hope, because your story matters. Your story matters. Rahab, another great story. James 2 says this of Rahab. Now, we know Rahab was a prostitute, and we know she, she saved Israel. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off to a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Here's a woman that wasn't, had no fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord fell on her, and it changed her life. And Rahab is actually celebrated in the New Testament by authors of Hebrews, James, and, 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 and the books that she apparently pleased God with a lie. Whoa. Think about that. Now, I don't have time to go deep in there and 
uh, I, don't, don't, that's not a license to lie. That's not what I'm saying here. <laughs> Go back and read the story and see what happened. Melvin, am I all right theologically? Okay, good. I want to get off here. Melvin's my, my, uh, uh, my keep it straight, John, you're getting off. <laughs> so, um, but here's this woman who, this incredible story who saves Israel, has brought into the, the family and, and is, is blessed by God. You see, so what, what is a grace story? Let's just real quickly as we finish up, let's, let's break it down. What is a grace story? A grace story, it's the story of who I was before I met Jesus. See, your story's not just what happens when you encounter Jesus and then what happens. It's what you were prior to meeting Jesus. It's the story of what you were doing, what you were going through, and the reason why I needed a Savior. Because I couldn't save myself. It's the story of who I was before I met Jesus. Romans 3.11, for everyone's sin. Orange lights, that is sin. For, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Every single one of us prior to Jesus fell short of his standard. It's the story of who I was before I met Jesus. Our great story, what is it? It's the story of meeting Jesus. It's that encounter that you had with Christ. I had an encounter when I was five years old with Jesus. I don't really remember it other than I remember that I had an encounter with Jesus. I don't know the, the specifics. I also had an encounter with Jesus at 25 that changed my life, that got me into the ministry. I remember specifically meeting Jesus in a certain way. There's a story that took place. There was a time, there was, I've told the story a million times, you guys are sick of it, uh, a pastor that called me out and just said, look, if you want to live your life like you're living, keep living it, but stop telling people you're a Christian because you're giving us a bad name. I'm like, do you not know who I am? I'm the incredibly average backup goaltender to the Boston Bruins. <laughs> I met Jesus. And it brings hope. You, you met Jesus. And it brings hope. Because someone looks at you and goes, if that guy or that girl can be forgiven, maybe me. Grace story, what is it? It's a story of what Jesus did for me, what he's doing in me. Romans 5, 8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we we're still sinners. What did Jesus do for me? He died for my sins that I didn't have to pay the price. My grace story is this, that I'm forgiven that I don't have to walk in condemnation. I don't have to walk in guilt. I don't have to walk around with this yoke and burden of, of unforgiveness. I'm forgiven by the blood of Jesus. What did Jesus do for me? He gave me eternal life. He freed me from the bondage of sin. He changed my life so much so, changed the trajectory of my life, that I will have eternity with him, the creator of heaven and earth. Are you kidding me? That's my great story. That's your story if you've met Jesus. But God showed his great love for me by sending Christ to die for me right in the middle of my sin. It's a great story. It's the story of grace. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is written... For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord 
will be saved. The grace story is the story of grace of God pulling me out of the depths of hell and bringing me into life. The grace story is that I deserve hell and God says, I'm giving you eternal life through your son Jesus, through my son Jesus Christ. That's the grace story. How do I not tell it? How do I not share that with people? How do I not show that to people? The grace story is the story of hope. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been made right with God, right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. It's hope. Romans 8.1, so now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. It's hope. You know what your neighbors need? They need the hope of Christ Jesus. You want to know what your coworkers need? They need the hope of Christ Jesus. You want to know what your children, your grandchildren, you want to know what others need? You want to know what people need? They need the hope of Christ Jesus that brings eternal life. They need the hope that their sins are washed away, that there's no condemnation and guilt. They need the hope that they walk in freedom. And your story brings it. Your story matters. I don't care what your story, your story matters because this is a miracle. It is a miraculous thing that God has done in each of our lives. Your grace stories are being read by others. 2 Corinthians 3, Paul says this, you yourselves, who's he talking about? The church, that's you. Every single person that's in this building today, no matter what difficulties you're going through, it's a part of your story that God is writing. And not only that, he says, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts. Look at this. You know what's happening with your story, like it or not? To be known and read by all. Your story is being read. Your story is being read. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us. Look at this. Written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. You're a story that people are reading. You're a story that people are... Richard, you're a story that people are reading when you do the work that you do. The story that you are writing and they see Jesus in you. Pam... The story that you're writing with these kids as you oversee this school, you're writing a story and these kids are reading your life. That man is reading your life. You're a story that is being written. Joseph, we just talked this week. I mean, this guy preaches to the wall. He'll preach to anybody. I love it. But there's a story that's being written and your story matters, Joseph. And even as you told me, you're talking to them and praying for people at the coffee shop. I'm just blown away because I, I want that faith and I want my story to go forth too, just like that. Annie, your story matters. The story that has been written in your life for the last 27 years that you've lived. You're only 28 or 27, right in there. Your story matters, and people need to hear your story. They need to hear your story. We're each a letter that is being read by others. So what am I asking you for this summer? I'm asking you to be the church. I'm not, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not asking anything that I'm not asking myself to do. I'm asking you to have meals with, with others. Invite them into your home. Invite yourself to, we invited ourselves to a meal the other night, uh, last Wednesday night. This guy that I worked with, I said, he has this Wednesday meal. I said, well, we're coming. He's like, okay, you're coming. 
and, and it's it just an opportunity to, to love on others and preach the gospel. I'm asking you to give. I'm asking you to give tithe financially, but I'm also asking you to give of yourself on both levels. It's a, it's a spiritual act of worship. And then what I'm asking you lastly, as we talked about today, is I need you to tell your stories because your story matters. Your story matters. And people are reading your life. They're reading our lives. Why does your story matter? Because of this, 2 Peter 3, 9. Not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The heart of God is that none should perish. The heart of the Father is that none should perish. Not a single one. Not even the one that you think should burn in hell. And don't tell me you've never thought that before. But not even that person. The Father loves everyone and wishes that none should perish. And he does it and he works through you and I when we come into this relationship with him. He says the hope and glory of Christ Jesus that lives in you is the story that's going forth that you might bring hope to someone else that doesn't have it. Why are stories, your story, so important? Because you have something to say. Mark has something to say. Someday he's going to come up here and say it. You have a story. And God is using it and wants to use it. What am I exactly asking you to do? I'm asking you to invite. I'm asking you to eat. I'm asking you to share. And I'm asking you to believe. I'm asking you to invite people into your life. And that's uncomfortable for many of us. I'm asking you to eat a meal with them. I'm asking you to share your great story, win the opportunity. I'm not telling, don't start having a meal and go, okay, let me tell you how Jesus saved me. Don't do that. Just at least wait till the dessert, okay? Just, it's natural. It's just people come over. God-ordained time means this. The door opens and you, t- you step in. You'll know when. Why? Because you're going to pray before you eat. You're going to go, God, give me an opportunity to preach the gospel. If it just means loving these people well by feeding them a good meal, I'm good with that, God. But if there's another door that you open, let me be aware of that door. Let me step through it. See, that's being available, available for others. Why? Because your story matters. Because your story matters. I'm asking you to be the church. That's it. I'm just asking you to be the church. If you call this your church, if this is your home, if this is your church, I'm asking you to actually be the church that God has called us to be. And for some of us, it's baby steps, and that's all right. I'm all right with that. For some of you, it's just... uh, Oh, I got to invite someone over. I'm going to invite my mom over. There's a big step. It's all right. I'm all right with that. Pray beforehand and see what God might do. For some of you in, in your giving, it's like, ah, oh, he's asking 10%. Again. Ah, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out. Okay, I'm all right with that. For some of you in your grace stories, pray and ask God. He'll open the door and give you an opportunity to do it. And then just step through it and see what God might do. See what he might do. He'll be blown away. Lastly, I want to hear your stories. You know, when something, when you do what we're asking you to do, there's gonna be lots of stories. I wanna hear them. I wanna be able to encourage the church. I wanna be able to get you up to give a testimony or I talk about it, but let me know how it's going. I'm gonna stay on it and keep 
you know, encourage you guys to do these things, but I, I want to hear the stories. I'm asking you to be the church today. And the, 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 the way is the, the musicians come up and we get ready to close here. The, the way that we do that is what we've been talking about. It's word, prayer, worship day. It's this, each and every day I wake up and I get in God's word and I connect with the Father. And then I do that through prayer and in the conversations that I have throughout the day with the Father. And I do it through worship. And worship is, is multifaceted. It's the music that we're gonna do, but it's also the way that I love others and I give to others. That's a way that I worship also. And I do it each and every day. And when I do that each and every day, the opportunities to share my story just go crazy. That's what I'm asking us to do as a church. That's what I'm asking. As we finish this, we're going to finish with communion. As the band gets ready up here, behind your chairs, you'll see there's, there's a, a communion cup. James, let's push this down here. There you got it. So, orange lights. As we stay in this, this attitude of worship, and you look at what we've been wrestling with the last three weeks, I, I just, during this time of communion, I want you to examine your hearts. God, what are you saying? God, what area of my life are you putting your finger on? Maybe you guys know where. Maybe you guys are all in and you're preaching the gospel, people are eating your house, you have no problem giving, blah, blah, blah. That, that could be. No, no. Examine your lives. I, what I love about communion and doing it every week, well, one, because the Bible tells us to. It says when you come together, it says do this in remembrance of me. But two, it's, it's just this, it's this alignment thing. I, what, I, what I ask us to do when we go to communion is, is, is just to go to the cross. And, and before you receive the bread, just, just ask God, is there anything in my heart, anything in my life that I need to take to the cross? And then receive the bread. And then after you receive that, because the Bible says he took the bread and he broke it and said, do this in remembrance of me. And then he, he took the wine and the wine represents the blood of Jesus that wash away all my sins, all my past sins, all my present sins, and all my future sins. And just celebrate in forgiveness and thankfulness to who Jesus is. And all of this, I believe, is a spiritual act of worship but it, but it doesn't stop right here with this. It takes me out these doors into this world to be hope. Don't let it stop with the communion. Let communion take you out into who God has called us to be as a church. As he plays the song, I, I, I want you to, where you're sitting, receive communion in your own time and prayer. If you want to do it with your wife, that's fine too. And when you're done, um, as an act of worship, we're going to stand and we're going to sing this last song. Father, I thank you for your son. I thank you that we can worship. God, I thank you that there's just a, a load of stories in this place waiting to be told that Christ Jesus might be glorified. God, as we receive the elements, God, we say thank you for your son Jesus who died for our sins, that we might have life. In Jesus' name, amen.